Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Okay, look, we're starting with a fake ad, so advertisers will work with us one day. We're using the secret, we're opening, we're dreaming into action. This is where an ad will go when we get advertisers. So here's a sample ad for you, businesses with money, to see how we would do it. Today's show was brought to you by the Lizzie McGuire movie. Join Lizzie as she discovers love, Italian pop music, and most importantly, herself. The Lizzie McGuire movie in theaters May 2nd, 2003. See, we're so good at this. Contact us now at FYI at She'sAllFatPod.com. Thank you. I'm Sophie. I'm April, and this is She's All Fat. The podcast for body positivity, radical self-love, and chill vibes only. This week, we'll introduce ourselves, tell you what you can expect from the podcast, and discuss the fat narratives that shaped our childhoods. Woohoo! Let's introduce ourselves. Sure. I'm April K. Quio. I write television and love Oreo thins. I'm black and fat, and it's literally all I talk about. Erica Badu called me a hoe on Twitter once. <laughs> How about you, Soph? I'm Sophie. I'm fat. I'm a freelance writer and editor. I like television, history, and crafts, and I'm white, but I don't like to talk about it. I stopped eating cheese recently, and it's ruining my life. April, how would you describe me? Sophie is just one big feeling in a sequined blazer. April's mean, but you like it? You would assume Sophie has a lot of shirts with cats on them, and you would be right. April's like a cool mom who's actually cool. Sophie has a kind face that reminds you of a school nurse who gives you a maxi pad when you bleed through your jeans in the seventh grade. April's like a sour strawberry popsicle. Sophie is a walking personification of that feeling when you think of a good comeback an hour later. April's like having the right comeback for someone ready to go and not stuttering when you say it. We created She's All Fat because there's not a podcast like it. We noticed an increase in fat visibility, shout out to all the fat babes on Instagram, but a lack of spaces for fat women and femmes to tell their own stories in a conversational setting, a place to literally hear our voices. We'll talk about everything from our own experiences to pop culture, to food, to fashion, to history, to justice theory, and have a bunch of interviews and advice and fun along the way. You're going to want to hear it, so subscribe right now. Go ahead, do it. We'll wait. Hey, Soph. That all sounds great, and I've already subscribed and left us a review on iTunes, but I have a couple questions about She's All Fat's perspective on the world. Okay. If someone is fat, do you think they should have to put up with being disrespected? No. 
if we're fat and we don't hate ourselves, are we glorifying obesity? No. Do we consider fat people who lose weight traitors or do we hate thin people or something? No. Oh, okay, cool. That makes sense. Do you have any questions? Yeah, actually. Do we think body positivity is fighting for the liberation of all marginalized bodies? Oh, for sure. Do we consider self-love a form of rebellion? Absolutely. Chill vibes only? Hell yeah. Good. Glad we got that out of the way. Let's start the way we always do, by talking about our favorite piece of internet culture this week. Tell me, April, what are you obsessed with this week? Well, this week I'm obsessed with DIY videos. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> what? It's not a dun, dun, You said dun. that like it was a horror video. <laughs> the world of doing it by yourself. <laughs> the world of not buying things. Not dun, dun, buying dun. things. Capitalism is a trap. It is. Um, no, I've been watching so many DIY videos, even if I know I'll never make the thing. Like I watch a lot of like reupholstering furniture videos. Really? Yeah. And I know and there's no universe. Well, maybe one day I'll get like a nail gun, but like I just don't see it happening. But I number one, I'm fascinated by this idea and I only watch them by women, obviously. Yeah. Like, come on. Where it's just women being like, yeah, I could buy it for $700 at West Elm, or I can pick a fabric out and make a new chair. Like, mm-hmm. it, to me, it seems feminist. It seems like a feminist act. The last one that I watched that I'm like, oh, I'm definitely going to do this, is DIY avocado oil. So, like, I use avocado oil for my hair. Really? It's, yeah, it's 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 like a nice fatty oil. So I've it's never really heard moisturizing. Yeah, it's good, but it's really expensive. So, so I'm, I was just Googling, like, how can I, you know, still have the oil but not. This lady, her name is um, Hey Keon Hair on YouTube. Shout out, girl. You really helped me out. Um, she showed me how you get an avocado, like a bunch of avocados, spread them on a cookie sheet, leave it in the sun for like days. Then it turns brown and it's like crinkly. Mm-hmm. Then you put that in a cheesecloth and you squeeze out avocado oil. Whoa. It is banana. Did you do it? <laughs> I haven't done it yet, but I will because I need it. Can't you just buy avocado oil like from Whole Foods? Yeah, it's so expensive. Oh, like, how much is it? A bottle of it is, will be like 15 bucks. Oh, okay. Or I can get like three avocados and like put it Dang. in the cheesecloth so i will link that in the show notes but i'm obsessed with the feminist act of making your own shit wait can i just also say diys that i'm obsessed with please share okay well first of all i'm like kind of afraid of beauty diys mm. like i'm like very suspicious of what i put on my face but i do really like our problematic fave mr kate oh hell yeah for her like kate albrecht cut the shit <laughs> She's, You're getting she, called out. She's so talented. She and her husband are so cute. We love Joey. We love everything about your show. But like, Kate, stop getting Kate, white lady braids. Please, please. please. please We're please. on your Instagram. We're trying to look at your headboards. We and love it's you. In but- rose gold cornrows. And I and you're calling them unicorn rose. And I literally can't. I, just, I can't support it. I love you. I know. It's really hard for me. Like, stop. <laughs> stop, um, please. I also really like these two Canadian girls. Well, I don't know how... If this is like part of their brand, but they're the sorry girls. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So (laughs) they do a lot of what you're talking about. Like they showed like what you could buy for like a table and then they did an expensive DIY with like fancier materials and then they did a cheaper DIY. Mm, The same thing. It was cool. Yeah. You can save so much. A lot of times it's just like home goods spray painted at gold. So now it's $400. I mean, I do think that sometimes DIY can be kind of a little bit of like, 
a goopy lifestyle thing. Mm. If it's like, I made everything, I made all this. And actually no. it's like, you just bought all these materials and they cost you so much or money. Or probably the same amount. No, I just love the ones where it's like, clearly you're saving money, number one, and not having to go through the hassle of buying like one ounce of this oil for yeah. so much when I could just make it myself, you know? Okay, you tell like, me what you're obsessed with. I think that was it. Okay. I think it was DIY. We both love We're DIY both stuff. love DIY. It's a whole world. It's a whole corner of YouTube where it's just ladies being like, come on. It's being cool. Let's glue it. I will say like I wish there if somebody has a good recommendation please let us know for like where DIYers get the tools they use cuz I mm-hmm. feel intimidated going into Home Depot every time that's very you true. You know what I mean? They're always like, yeah. this is very simple. You can get this at the craft store. You can get this at a thrift store. And then here's like this special hole to punch holes in jeans or whatever. Yeah, it's, it's like a lot of tools. Yeah. We should do a um, She's All Fat DIY. DIY. Oh my gosh, I would love that. And you guys, please send us your favorite DIY videos that you feel like yes. we'd be into. Tweet totally. us at She's All Fat Pod. <laughs> Give us those links. Okay. We want those links. We're obsessed with DIYs. We are. We should really get to the meat of it, don't you think? Yeah, let's do it. The meat of it. This week on The Meat of It, we're talking about fat narratives we read and saw as kids. There's only a few that I can remember from the 90s to the mid-thousands. The Cat Ate My Gym Suit, a few movies like Heavyweights, the ABC Family show Huge starring Nikki Blonsky from Hairspray, which was great, but only lasted one season. And not even talking about the reality shows like I Used to Be Fat on MTV. April, did you ever read Blubber? I don't think I did. So not to be confused with the classic Robin Williams remake of Flubber, which was also a mainstay of my childhood. (laughs) (laughs) Flubber is a young adult novel by Judy Blume, first published in 1974 and first scarred me for life in 1997. Judy Blume is a beloved children's and YA author who wrote a lot of classics. I'm sure you read some of them, didn't you? Oh, I know about the one with the bra and the crying in the, the church. That's Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Yes. Wasn't there one where it was like, it's summer and my boyfriend's leaving? <laughs> yeah, I think that's called Forever. Yes. Okay. Forever. My personal favorite is starring Sally J. Friedman as herself, which is about a girl living in Florida in the 1940s who loves Esther Williams and is convinced that her neighbor is a secret Nazi. Somehow it's lighthearted. <laughs> so Blubber is about a bunch of girls in fifth grade who gang up on this one girl named Linda which is like the saddest name. Like, be real. A child <laughs> named Linda. Like, her name's already Linda, you know? <laughs> okay, so they call her Blubber because she's overweight, awkward, and gives like a report in front of the class about whales. And then they're like, oh, a genius name, Blubber. It's mentioned several times that she's not the fattest in the class. And it seems like she's teased more because she comes across as weak and shy and doesn't stand up for herself and is canonically described as stupid. Like, poor Linda, dude. It sucks. So here's the plot. Wendy, the queen bee of the class, decides to start calling Linda Blubber. Jill, who was the narrator, and others start physically bullying her, doing things like surrounding her in the bathroom, stripping her clothes off, pinching her. They force her to kiss a boy she doesn't want to. They lift up her skirt to show her underwear and make her curtsy and thank them for doing that. They criticize the food she brings for lunch until she starts bringing only saltines and celery, and they make her say this terrible thing over and over. Are you ready to hear it? No, I'm not. Okay, they make her say, I am Blubber, the smelly whale of class 206. Like she's a sociopath. Oh my goodness. And then after the worst of it, Jill says, School isn't as boring as it used to be. Because she's having so much fun teasing Linda. 
So how long does this go on before she starts to feel guilty? Like how she never many? does. She, she never, never does. does. So that's why this one is different from most Judy Bloom books because the first person narrator is like a total fucking bitch. She's Whoa. the worst. She dresses up for Halloween as a flenzer, which is something she looks up specifically to dress up for it. It's the name for the men who cut up whales after they were killed for like blubber and stuff. Oh my god! It's also like the dumbest historical like mean costume because you'd have to explain it to everyone. <laughs> and then the meanest thing that they do to her that really stuck with me because it happened to me also they have a class recital and the song that they sing as a class has a part that goes rest rest on mother's breast and they all decide that none of them are going to say the word breast except for linda and during the performance they do that and then she sings breast and then they all like make fun of her for it even though they plan and choreographed it? Yeah. Like, the joke is just that they're going to make her say breast. And like, <laughs> so kids did, stupid. Kids did that to me in middle school, too, at, like, a Halloween recital. What was the word you had to sing? It was similar. It was, like, rear or something oh like that. Oh, my God. Kids are so shit. Yeah. The main mean girl turns on Jill. Everyone starts being mean to her. So that's, like, how the book ends. She, like, learns her lesson. But the lesson is, like bullies will be mean to everyone it has like nothing to do with like you shouldn't have been mean to linda it's like fatness itself is like a device rather than a focus it definitely affected me as a kid for sure (laughs) um it's very realistic about how cruel and mean kids are and also about how much adults like ignore them jill's mom in the book says like well linda should just get over it because the best way to counteract teasing is laugh along with it which anyone who's been teased knows is like a fucking lie what do you think about all that i mean i'm horrified <laughs> <laughs> like i'm just sitting here feeling very traumatized it, yeah it's, it's so shocking because when you compare it to all the other judy bloom novels the takeaway is so clear and with this one it feels so muddy yeah like, the takeaway is just try not to get bullied it doesn't show fatness as an inherently bad thing. As an adult reader, it does make me feel like Judy Bloom like understood kids really well because people are just mean. There's like no lesson learned really. But I think it's kind of like, yeah, like most situations for kids who are bullied, they don't end with like it stopping for a good reason. Such a dark <laughs> takeaway, but that really is the only takeaway given the way that this is framed. I mean, it's so sad. Anyways, that was blubber, dude. That was like a very dark representation that we had. That's horrific. Yeah. Funny story. When we were picking examples for this episode, I thought the book I had read was blubber, but it was not blubber. And all the reviews on Amazon say this book is a wannabe blubber. (laughs) You read off-brand blubber. I read off-brand blubber, which I feel like says so much that like you got the original blubber. I got dollar store brand blubber. Okay, but that doesn't have to, that's just not. It's a metaphor. Oh my God. And it's accurate. So I want to talk about the book, Nothing's Fair in the Fifth Grade. I remember my mom coming home one day and she just said, I think you'll get something from this and handed it to me. I don't know where the book came from. I don't know who told her I would get something from this. But it's by a woman named Barth de Clements. Um, And I'll just read you a little description from the Goodreads page. Great. Jenny knows one thing for sure. Elsie Edwards is a fat thief who steals (laughs) people's lunch money to buy candy. Same. So honestly, I remember doing that. (laughs) So again, accurate. Okay. So when the book club money disappears, why is the whole class punished? Nothing's fair. But soon Jenny realizes some things aren't fair for Elsie either. Elsie is on a strict diet, but when she starts losing weight, her mother won't buy her new clothes. Instead, she plans to send Elsie to boarding school. Suddenly, everyone wants to help Elsie. Nothing's fair in the fifth grade, but sometimes things get better. 
So I did a fun little experiment by getting an ebook version of this book, and I searched the word fat to see how it came up uh, to some interesting results. Okay. So here is Elsie's introduction. The main character's name is Jenny. You had Jill, right? Mm-hmm. Jill and Jenny. They Make really are the same them. book. Oh um, but so Jenny, um, this is when she first sees um, the fat girl whose name is Elsie. I had just started my new paragraph when the classroom door opened and a woman and a fat blonde girl walked in. Sharon sits behind me and I heard her say, ugh. Diane sits behind me and she whispered, I hope she isn't going to be in this room. <laughs> I'm going to read what you. What the heck? <laughs> they're, so, they're so rude. So basically the through line is Elsie is a girl who is from a single parent household. It's just her mom. They're pretty poor and her mom is pretty negligent. So she starts at this new school. Everybody's really mean to her. And Elsie's defense mechanism is like stealing, both because she's poor and also just I think it's like a compulsion she has. And she also steals a lot of candy specifically because number one, she's hungry. Like they don't have a lot of food. But number two, she's doing a lot of emotional eating. Yeah, it's like a control thing. Yeah, totally. Okay, so this is one of the first examples that popped up when I searched the word fat in Nothing's Fair in the fifth grade. Elsie was gross. Her eyes were squished above cheek bubbles of fat. Her chin rippled down her neck. She really didn't have a waist except for where her stomach bulged out below her chest. Her legs looked like two bed pillows with the ends stuffed in shoes. I knew everyone... Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I hated having Elsie in the room. Wow. Why did your mom give you this book? I, I just know that she had read it. I think somebody told her, oh, maybe April will like this. And she just sort of handed it to me. <laughs> but all I know is it came into my... Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I got it. I read it. And I was shocked. But yeah, the through line of this book is like, everyone's bullying Elsie. She sort of deserves it because she's gross. But then the narrator's journey is she realizes she's being really harsh. Then she realizes she's being neglected. And then she becomes sort of like the savior of the book by being like, we're going to be friends with her. We're going to help her get on the same page with everyone else in the class. We're going to try to make her life easier. And the book kind of takes the perspective of, oh, Elsie's fat because of her trauma. Like it led to that. So Mm. she doesn't deserve it. So that's why it's okay that she's getting friends. Whereas, you know, Ideally, I wish that link would not be constantly made because I think people are fat for lots of different reasons. The book kind of presents it as most fat people are fat for a reason. Here's Elsie's reason. Her mom hates her. Dang. Meanwhile, Blubber frames it like she's not even fat, but fat is a socially bad thing to do. So they choose this like framing for her. (laughs) Did you ever have an experience like that? No, because my fat girl child strategy was just like, 
I'm going to make it clear that I will beat your ass if you ever try. Like, I was the type of person that became the bully in first grade. People knew if they ever had the the gall to call me fat or something, like, I would literally hit them. Like, I will hit you. Oh because I just, I, had, I realized that I was young or I was fat from a young age and kind of realized, like, listen, pick a defense mechanism. You could, you know, be like the other fat girl in the class and be like, stop hitting me. Or you could hit back. And so I just became aggressive. Mm. So no, it never happened because nobody ever tried me because they knew they'd get punched in the fucking face. Did you ever see other fat kids get teased that way? Yeah, and I sometimes would defend them. But I feel like sometimes the other fat kids saw me as like a traitor or like not (laughs) on their side. I wasn't unpopular, you know? So they're like, what are you doing with them? My worst bully was this boy named Tristan who was like big for our age. He wasn't fat, but he was just like too tall. Mm. And he had that like curtains haircut. Okay. And it was like very blonde hair. But he definitely like teased me a lot because he felt out of place as well. And I remember feeling very like, you're big too. <laughs> it's always with boys, it's like they don't even see that. That wouldn't, the thought would never occur to them. Why would I bully a fat girl yeah. when I'm almost all so fat? Like they would fully do it. <laughs> Shocking. What did you feel when you were a kid and you like read this book? I guess I I appreciated the idea that her losing weight didn't solve all of her problems. The only problem that it did solve is that it made people less likely to call her gross to her face. So I appreciated that they didn't make it so clear that like skinny equals problem solved. But I remember just the gratuitous amounts of descriptions about like her body rolls and how it was disgusting and how all her folds were filled with sweat and dirty. Uh, I remember being like, Okay, now I'm self-conscious. Yeah. <laughs> Great. I mean, what's interesting about both these books is that, like, fatness really is used as, like, a tool for, like, a reason for bullies to be mean to, to these girls, which is the problem with a lot of fat narratives, like, not just YA ones, is that fatness is, like, you know, a side note, or it's, like, a reason for people to be sad, or, like, a reason for people to be mean to each other. It does, and, like, you never really hear from that person unless they're, like, I was fat and now I'm better. Or like, I'm fat and I'm so sad. It's really striking to me that both of these books, the narrators are not the fat girls. Not at all. And in fact, it's somebody who is participating in being disgusted by her fruit. Right. At least in this case, at least half the book was them just going into detail about how gross Elsie is. And using the word gross several times. None of these fat characters are happy or like (laughs) have any kind of happy ending at all. Not at all. I mean, cool. Like, no wonder we grew up being like, we're bad. The book presents it in a way where the only way to think of a a fat body is gross. So it's just, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to bully them or are you going to ignore them? Instead of maybe their body isn't gross. It's fifth grade. That's the same as Blubber, which also is like, fifth grade is the start of puberty. I'm sorry. Everyone's body is gross in puberty. Everyone smells freaking bad. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, it has nothing to do with whether or not... Okay, whatever. Anyways, (laughs) we've discussed the limitations of the books that we internalized as children with fat narratives. What is your ideal fat narrative or fat protagonist in a children's novel? I think my ideal protagonist would be a real protagonist and the narrator, like, fully from that person's perspective. Yeah. And just this lack of an impulse to, to diagnose the fat, like, where's the fat coming from? Is the fat holding you back in any way? I would just love a character who is fat. That's her body. She faces challenges. She doesn't totally hate herself. And not all of her problems are directly linked to her body. Yeah. That would be great. What about you? I agree. Um, Our friend Bethany Rudder, who is a fat chin blogger running the blog Arched Eyebrows, she's currently writing a YA novel with a fat protagonist. I'm excited to read that. I was thinking about if there were any 
novels I read when I was little that did have good representation. And I remembered that my favorite author was Tamora Pierce. She wrote all these like dragon books, like magic books. She had this one series called The Magic Circle. And there's this character named Triss who was chubby and like had red hair. And she was teased for her like body and being bookish all the time. She kind of fulfills a lot of those requirements for me. Like it's a quality of her life. Like she's always making faces about having to wear restrictive clothing or like being hungry or whatever, (laughs) but it doesn't affect her magic. It doesn't affect her friendships and it doesn't affect the way that like men treat her or like potential suitors. I mean, it's just like a, a fact of her life, but I think I would have appreciated one that was a little bit more explicit about it because I didn't even think about that except in retrospect, like really trying to dig deep. So yeah, I would love to see a YA novel with a fat protagonist who gets a romance with someone who's like not explicitly a chubby chaser, just like likes her. I'm currently writing a YA novel like that. So look out for it. Publishers hit me up. (laughs) Okay. Wow. So that's the meat of it for this week. We've solved the problem of depictions of fatness and YA narratives. You're welcome. Here on She's All Fat, we're putting fake ads where we hope to have real ads so our listeners don't think we sell out when we get them. And to be clear, we are looking to sell out. This week, we're supported by our bralettes and our self-esteem. So if you'd like to become a beloved advertiser and support us as well, just contact us via our website. Thanks! And now it's time to ask a fatty. If you want advice, you can send a voice memo of yourself asking a question to FYI at she's all fat pod.com. You can record it on your computer or the voice memo app on your iPhone. Just keep it short about one minute max. Or if you're shy, you can send us a plain old email at FYI at she's all fat pod.com. We might answer your question right here on the show. This week on ask a fatty, we have a very special letter from our friend, Chelsea. Chelsea asks, what are fat summer problems that someone who is not fat might not know about? Okay, number one, Fat Summer Problems, my debut album. (laughs) Hot, featuring DJ Khaled. (laughs) Most fat people's problems in the summer are like kind of like everyone's problems in the summer. They're just like magnified by having more body to deal with. Yeah, that's that's pretty, pretty fair. I would say my big ones are sweating. Here's a tidbit growing up. In the summer, my mom made us take three showers a day. What? <laughs> because we're all we're all chubby. And my family and my mom, her biggest fear is that like someone will see her kids and they stink and they're gonna know that she's a bad mom for having stinky kids. When though? So what you do is shower first thing in the morning, <laughs> you shower right when you get home from work or summer camp or whatever, and then you shower before bed. Wow. Three to our water bill was astronomical. Not even your yeah. sheets can know that you you sweat. No one can know that I sweat and then my my mom's shower routine in the summer is like shower pat dry powder her entire body oh my god and then and then slip into a bed and it's cold wow (laughs) no sweating no sweating so yeah i just i don't want to stink because i don't want people to think my mom is a bad mom she's not a bad mom i don't i don't want to be visibly sweating because then it's like wow look at that hog with glycerin on her skin (laughs) (laughs) um those are my uh top two Yeah, I mean, I have tried a lot of anti-chafing for those thighs. I haven't found anything that works great, except for this summer, I found this thing called undersummers. Their thing is being like little undershorts that are not meant to restrict you at all. They're like anti-spanks. They're very comfortable. Undersummers, please sponsor us. (laughs) Um, April, I know you like 
that powder from Lush. Yes, it's called Silky Underwear. And I like it because I like put it in between my thighs. And so it's just, it makes it kind of feel like you're wearing like an under summers type of thing. Like it just makes it a little, a little smooth. Because um, yeah. my big thing is my thighs getting really sweaty and sticking together and then I can't move. <laughs> so that helps a lot. There's not just the physical discomfort of being sweaty and hot. It's like you want to avoid being seen as suffering because you're fat. Because fat people all have this like complex about people judging them for being fat. It's like one thing when you're inside and you can like control the environment or whatever. When you're outside and you're sweating, you're like, oh my God, is my face red? Like, where's the sweat stains? Are people looking at me? Even though it's like everyone else is sweating, but like for whatever reason... Like you've, you've seen those judgmental looks of totally. like you're fat and like, that's why you're so hot. And like actually it's just a hundred degrees. It's super hot. Like I think the, for a lot of fat people, the goal is maybe if I do all the right things, no one will notice I'm fat. Today. Yeah, that's so true. And it's like that day is never coming, but that I always do. I, especially when I was in a teenager or when I was in child, I always had the thought of like, I'm going to wear, you know, Spanx and I'm never going to sweat and I'm always going to be <laughs> sucking it in. And then no one will ever notice I'm fat. And then someone's like, hey, you're fat. Yeah. You're like, oh, shit. <laughs> it's that <laughs> concept again of being like, I'm fat, but I'm trying to be good. Yeah. There's also this balance for fat kids, especially of being like, I'm so hot. I want to wear less clothes, but then people will see more of my fat. Totally. I mean, as a child, maybe from ages nine to like 16, I just didn't wear shorts because I'm like, oh, no, fat people don't wear shorts. Yeah. I'll just wear I wore capris or Bermuda shorts. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'll be sweaty because uh, no one wants to see my upper thigh. And, I know, same. Yeah. Meanwhile, we're like 10. <laughs> Children. It's crazy. I think that about wraps it up for Ask a Fatty. Thank you, Chelsea, so much for that. I hope it gives you some more empathy for how sweaty we are. And we will put in the description a link to the Undersummers mm-hmm. and a link to the silky underwear from Lush that I buy. Lush. I love. Un- Undersummers Lush. Undersummers Lush. Contact us. Sponsor us. <laughs> oh, we're saying your name, product, send it to us. Okay. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> now let's move on to It's Okay, You Can Ask, a segment where we'll ask each other questions that relate to our particular experiences in this world that we might not feel comfortable asking anyone else IRL. We'll find out the answers to our burning questions like, why do white people love naming their kids variations of Kaylee? What does it mean to do it for the culture? If you're wondering, yes, I'm very aware that this is a trap. I'm so excited. So Sophie. Yeah. You're white and I'm black. Uh Uh-huh. So I was wondering if you can help me figure out. I'm so trepidatious. I'm like scared right now. But but the thing is, it's good for you to do it the first week because what are you going to do? Sell out white people? No, I'm just like, what are you going to make me hate about myself now? I feel like actually the one I'm asking doesn't even apply to you. I'm just asking you to speak to your people. So I was wondering if you can help me figure out why white people love risk-taking behaviors. Can you offer some clarity on this? What do you mean? Okay, I have a list. Okay. Hang gliding, cliff jumping, the thing where you walk on a wire above a skyscraper. The only people you ever see doing this is white people. (laughs) Just answer me this. Why do white people want to die? (laughs) Okay, number one, that last one is just that one French guy. Is it only one else? Because I swear I saw a couple do it on YouTube once. I don't think so, but (laughs) I am not part of that subculture. Number two, the most recent person that I saw, like kite surfing, was our former president, Barack Obama, who is not white. Well, he's always an exceptionalist. Get back to the point. I don't know. I hate risk taking behavior, I'm very averse to it. I think probably like the serious answer is like more white people have access to discretionary funds to like 
do activities like that. But even if I had extra money, I wouldn't want to use it almost dying. I think it's kind of like the same reason that men like to put themselves in like physically dangerous spaces. They don't like think all the time about how to protect their bodies. Like when men are like, yeah, I went for a run at midnight. And you're like, I do not know a woman who would do that. I think it's kind of the same thing where like, like white people are like, I'm going to live forever. Because <laughs> you're not afraid of dying walking down the street, you know? Is that literally it? I mean, I guess. I, I don't know. I don't like heights and I don't like physical activity. So, like, this doesn't apply to me per se. But, like, I think probably it has something to do with, like, the amount of, like, time you have to spend thinking about how to survive in the world. And because you don't have to think about that, you're like, wouldn't it be fun? But it's kind of the same thing as whenever people ask me to go camping. I'm like, you want to pretend to be homeless for the weekend? I mean, I also hate camping, but my boyfriend, who is not white, loves camping. So I mean, I know there's going to be variations, but the whole point of this is to speak in general. I don't think that that's a, just a white thing, though, is it? Do, camping? Do black people not like camping? No. Why would we camp? I don't know. I hate camping, so I can't <laughs> no, answer that. I don't that. like that at all. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I guess that's fair that, like, in all those videos of people jumping out of airplanes, it's, like, always mid-20s thin white people, like, yeah, with, like, a GoPro. Yeah. I don't know. I think discretionary income and, like, needing to, like, create the feeling of fearing for your life. Okay. (laughs) Well, that was It's Okay, You Can Ask. Yeah. (laughs) A dark turn for the She's All Fat podcast. (laughs) I don't I don't know what I was hoping she, for. I think Kirkville is always hoping that I'm going to be like, oh, because the white cabal says to. No, <laughs> no that's not what I'm expecting. I'm like, I mean, that's the whole point of this exercise. I don't know what I'm expecting. It's just a uh-huh. question I have. All right. <laughs> Let's move on. I have okay. no further comments. <laughs> okay, well, I am just have to say again that I also hate camping. Okay. <laughs> and that's our show. If you're interested in more information, resources, or readings about what we talked about on today's show, you can find some on our website, she'sallfatpod.com. She's All Fat is created and hosted by us, Sophie Carter-Kahn and April K. Quio. We are an independent production, so if you'd like to support the work we do, you can join our Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash she'sallfatpod. When you pledge to be a supporter, you'll get all sorts of goodies and extra content. Be sure to check out the show notes for links to all the stuff we mentioned on today's show. Follow us online. Our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter handles are at She's All Fat Pod. Please make sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It's super important in making sure people find the show. Plus, if you leave us a review, we'll give you a shout out right here next week. Don't forget to send us your questions via email or voice recording to fyi at she'sallfatpod.com. Our music was composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs. Our website was designed by Jesse Fish, and our logo is by Britt Scott. She's All Fat is produced by Emu Zoo. Bye! Bye. She's All Fat. You're white and I'm black. Yes. <laughs> The anxiety is too much. I'm sorry, this is a trap. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. 
Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.